So neuroplasticity is, in my view, the greatest hope, on top of whatever you've got going right now, is the greatest hope and inspiration I've seen in my lifetime for rewiring the effects and impacts of stress and trauma on the brain. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community. Whether you are struggling with mental health on your own or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com, the online platform for therapy. Are you thinking of starting therapy or are you in need of a new therapist? Go to BetterHelp.com and find the therapist that meets your need. You can access them from your phone, from your tablet, from your computer. No matter where you are in the world, no matter what time of day, you can find your therapist that fits your need. BetterHelp is giving us 10% off the first month. They are so affordable. Go check them out. BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge that's betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge gift yourself therapy go get yourself wellness hello and welcome back to hope to recharge podcast today i have professor selena bartlett all the way from australia she's actually speaking to us from her lab where she is researching neuroplasticity and food and all kinds of good stuff all for us to get healthier and better and feel great. Dr. Selena was with us a few times already in the past, twice in the past, episode seven and episode 17, powerful episodes. I could not stop getting more and more requests to have Selena back again because it was just such powerful conversations. And, and my audience said, let's bring her back to hear more about neuroplasticity. And today, what I want to discuss with Dr. Selena, Professor Selena, is about food and neuroplasticity and the relationship between them. Dr. Selena is doing doing research now on all kinds of food and mood. And we're going to deep dive into it. And she really cut out a half an hour from her time during research. We just got behind the scenes of her lab. It's crazy what goes into research for us to feel better. I am so grateful to have you here, Dr. Selena. Thank you for giving us your time. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. She's actually walking to find good Wi-Fi. That's how, <laughs> this is how devoted she is. She, like this lab is, I think, 10 story high, thousands of rooms, and she's looking for Wi-Fi because she is so devoted to making people feel good and helping people with what she calls brain health. We call it mental health and she calls it brain health. She likes calling it brain health. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm I, I kind of really excited to know when people stop thinking of themselves as having mental health and have brain health and what they're doing to get their health fit. I think that's the key strategy. It's not to take away from 
the concepts of mental health because, as you know, that's my passion. It's more about how do I drive this message that there's this biochemistry and physical connections inside the brain that can be trained just like you're training a bicep in your arm. So it's brain health and fitness. My whole life is dedicated to coming up with brain fitness tools that can resonate with different types of people so they can actually start this journey of understanding that you can apply the principles of neuroplasticity, that is the brain's massive capacity for change, um, with just having the right tools and doing daily training like you would if you went to the gym. Right. I'm just going to give a short, quick history. On In episode number seven, we spoke about Selena's personal story with brain health and how her sister passed away from illness, from lack of care and knowledge that goes on. Even though Selena was in research and in the field of um, mental care. She unfortunately lost her sister and then she devoted her life into researching more about neuroplasticity and how we can rewire our brain. And that's the second episode. Episode 17, we spoke about rewiring our brains and thinking positively and and how do we shift from depression, anxiety, and all kinds of things that we're going through. And we can actually do exercises to shift it to the more positive, getting out from that gloomy fogginess into joy. And Dr. Selena shares with us in seven, in episode 17, her journey from depression into wellness. And today we are going to go deep dive into food and neuroplasticity. So give us a little bit of background. What was your passion about this food? So it all comes together really because, um, you know, I've been on the journey to try and understand how the brain works. And now during that journey, I spent a long time running a lab at the University of California, San Francisco, and my whole lab was focused on alcohol addiction, right? And then during that time, I learned a lot about the circuits in the brain that alcohol affects. And some of these circuits are called nicotinic. Uh, they're, they're the things that drive you to feel good, like it's what nicotine binds to in the brain. Now, on my way back to Australia in about 2012, uh, they, they recruited me back here. I set up an experiment in the lab over there where we actually use sugar as a control for our alcohol studies. Mm -hmm. And my collaborator at the Stanford Research International called me when I just got back to Australia and said, oh my God, Selene, you won't believe this, but the receptors inside the brain that we are studying for alcohol are actually changing in exactly the same way for the sugar. So that just... That totally blew my mind um, because it was our control. And so my PhD student here in Australia, um, who's now finished, um, I had him replicate all that work. And we ended up publishing those findings um, in a couple of journals and we can, can continue working in that space. Now, what we were shocked to find was that it, this is not just one or two teaspoons of sugar in a cup of coffee. This is prolonged overconsumption of sugar over a period of time. What it cha- does is it changes the physical and chemical structure of the brain and specifically the top part of the brain, the human part of the brain, which is where you have impulse control. It's where you make decisions, um, that kind of thing. And also is the part of the brain that controls your emotional reactions. So what does that mean for the average person listening? Well, that means that it's very hard if you're eating a lot of sugar to actually um, resist having more sugar or food that's rich in sugar or high fats or things like that because these things are actually changing our ability to resist temptation the more we have. And there's kind of three factors that end up coming to for me to discover. Um, one, let me just give you the personal story first. So After I left UCSF, I was working so hard, raising a big family, a small family, but just 
you know, a lot of stress and I put on a lot of weight. I was very, very unhealthy by the time I got back to Australia. And then I started training for marathons. I was running up to 19 kilometers in a training run and I was still struggling to lose weight around my waist line and that part of my body. And then I actually just started all these sugar studies in the lab. And then, it, then just as things happen, it became very clear to me that I was using sugar as a way to control my stress. Mm. That, would, that had been my go-to habit. So for me, a big day at work, I'd get home and have a glass of wine while I'm cooking dinner that would turn into half a bottle of wine. Or, and then I'd want to have dessert after eating dinner. And I never felt full from eating. So the thing about sugar, we're just talking about sugar, but this kind of goes to high fat food and salt and whatever your kind of stress comfort food eating is, because everyone has different things. Um, and I'm going to tell you why that is in a minute. But what I discovered was that I could not um, lose uh, weight. And it's not just about weight. Weight's just an indicator, okay? It's not about that. I'm just trying to show you how it works in the brain. Sugar changes the structure of the brain, but also it's made up of two components. One's glucose and one's fructose. Now, the fructose part actually activates the hypothalamus. And what that means, it's the part of the brain that releases peptides in your body to tell you that you're full. So what that means is if you have too much sugar, then you actually want to overeat on the next meal. So you never feel full when you're having a lot of sugar in your diet mm. from any food. You always want to keep eating and, and you have to actually make yourself stop eating, right? So there's two, there's, there are two big things going on in the brain. Now, the third thing that was the killer that changed my life was recognizing that the fructose, because it's so much energy, it gets stored in visceral fat cells. So they're the cells that line the stomach and the thighs and they multiply like cancer cells. Wow. And they're like, they're like gas chambers and you never get rid of them, but you can get rid of the gas out of them by taking out sugar and these high energy foods. Um, and as you probably know, uh, specifically because I'm American and Australian, is that the American diet and now the Australian diet is full of sugar, even at, even if you don't know you're eating it. It's in bread, it's um, in high fructose corn syrup, it's in so many foods. If you start to pay attention to just how much is actually embedded inside your food, you'd be absolutely shocked. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I did was I immediately started reducing my sugar intake. I became, first of all, it's the awareness. And then secondly, it was actually starting to reduce the amount I was eating, um, you know, in different types of food. And then I literally did regain my waistline and I'm wow. in my 50s. Wow. And I'm never, yes. And, and so then it was also, um, I was running, remember that training for marathons, but so it's not just the sugar that's going and give you back your waistline but without that it makes it very difficult even if you're working out in a gym and the other thing that happens for people and and if everyone can relate to this i was certainly one of them you work out in the gym you feel so glad you did it you go and reward yourself with a frappuccino or something like that afterwards thinking it's only two or three hundred calories and you just burnt 600 but the way sugar interacts with your brain and your body means to your body it's more like two thousand calories do you need to actually go and work out another 10 times just to burn off your, that reward you gave yourself why so how does that like what how does that happen it's it's because the way that that energy is stored inside those visceral fat cells right it's storing all that energy to burn off that energy you've got to it's not just the calorie number it's how it's being stored inside your body so to burn off that energy you've got to do even more work if you see what i'm saying and yeah. then also the way it's activating your brain is making it very difficult for you to initiate all sorts of things you know when we talk about how we can help people get up in the morning and do different things well if you have a high sugar alcohol intake it makes it more difficult to do these things that we keep talking about you know as being great 
people um, getting motivated because the way this food interacts with your brain decreases levels of dopamine, which are the neurochemicals that help get you moving, affects serotonin, the things that make you feel good. So it has all of these flow on double whammy effects that people would just not be aware of. I certainly was not aware of it. How long did you go sugar free for? Well, it's not sugar-free. It's reducing the intake. So and what, I, do you give I, yourself an I, allowance? I, well, I just, well, I, what I did was I moved my, my, so this is, okay, let's just back up for one second. If you want to recognize, most people don't realize how stressed out they really are. And it's because we're either freezing, we're flying, or we're fighting. That's our responses to stress over centuries, right? We mm -hmm. talked about that in the previous episode. Right. Food is the way to medicate that stress from a brain perspective. Mm -hmm. So the brain's always driving you to reach for these things to, so to medicate your stress. Mm -hmm. So that's why we always start with let's get rid of, let's work out how to change the way we re react to stress first because that's going to mean you have less need to go for those high sugar, high fat foods, right? Because the cause is the stress. The food's right. just the medication. Right. Right. So obviously I was doing this neuroplasticity training um, while I was doing this because I'd worked this out. So as you probably know, I have a pretty killer morning routine with my exercise and gratitude and you know all of those things and then at the same time then I started to reduce my sugar intake or at least become aware just how I was reaching for anything that would medicate something by the afternoon whether it's going to the vending machine for chocolate whether it's going for wine at night time it's going for chips or cheese or whatever it is that you're leaning towards because you're not realizing that you need to kind of medicate the stress in another way that's more healthy. I basically replace, now what I do is I still have some bad days, but basically what I do is I eat raw nuts. Mm -hmm. So that became my new thing. And um, you can still overeat raw nuts, but basically the thing that first happened, Natana, that was amazing to me, as I even within one week of starting to reduce my sugar intake, I started to feel full again from eating. That was the biggest thing. So that was a one way to reduce my portion, to get portion control. Wow. Because I'd lost those peptides in my brain that told me I was full from eating. And that wow. was the best. Yeah, that's how it works. That's what I'm saying. It's got these flow on effects. It's not just the number of calories in and the number of calories out for sugar or how, for these really high energy foods. How long did it take you? Well, it started, like the first recognition of the problem, the first time I started to feel full was in about a week or two of taking down the amount of sugar I was eating. The mm -hmm. second thing was then obviously now, like a few years later, I've introduced occasionally intermittent fasting, um, all sorts of other things. For the sugar reduction in terms of getting my waistline back in combined with the running, and also standing up more at work instead of sitting, because sitting is also difficult too for your body. Um, those three components, I think it was within probably um, a year or so. Remember, I'm doing this in my close to 50 by that stage. Right. So I got through menopause and everything and managed to get my waistline back by doing these strategies. So I call them neuroplasticity strategies because I think, because they are actually changing the brain when you mm -hmm. implement these things and um, it's very powerful. But the thing that I want to, I think that I want your audience to understand is sugar is as addictive as alcohol and nicotine. It changes your brain in exactly the same way that alcohol and nicotine change your brain. That's why it's difficult to give up. 
it imp impacts the top part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which makes it very difficult to resist having the third piece of chocolate once you've had the first one. The underlying cause of all of this is stress and it's and an untrained brain, right? None of us are really training our brain like we train it as a muscle. We, we do all these other things. We give our brain to other people. We take drugs to make us feel better when basically we've never been shown that this oldest part of the brain, which is millions of years old, needs to be trained like a muscle through these daily exercises that you keep telling people about or I keep telling about and, you know, like Wim Hof keeps talking about mm -hmm. and all these people, David Goggins, like they're, right. they're kind of growing in number and people see them as extreme. But really what why I love these people is they're, they're a real demonstration of how you can completely change from, you know, 360 degrees. Right. by doing brain training because what they're doing is brain training and Wim Hof talks about that specifically it's all about mindset training first and that's what we're talking about with this why we're doing food and mood is food makes it really difficult um, to make changes if you're overeating or eating the wrong foods it just makes it a bit harder so if you took a thousand people to an island and you only gave them vegetables and almonds and so let's say even protein with no sugar yeah, would and you water. and water? Yeah, <laughs> would you see an extreme difference after three yes. to four months in their mood? Yes, yes, yep, definitely, no doubt in my mind. So I did a. I, it's funny you should mention that. So because you know I'm a scientist, and I know this is n equals one on myself, but I actually did the whole measuring my bloods over a year. Blood did blood tests in a Kaiser Permanente hospital at exactly the same time, three months apart, over a year. And I went completely plant-based, completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as at this stage, I was running every day, right? I had got some small diagnosis of um, Hashimoto's at that mm -hmm. point um, that I didn't know about. Um, and so that's why I did this. I actually was able to improve my blood pressure, my cholesterol. And this is me being, I was all kind of slightly in range. All my blood, my blood glucose went from something like 87 down to 75. My HDL reversed in the right direction. My LDL reversed. Um, my, and I, they were no, no longer at the end of the year able to give me a diagnosis of Hashimoto because mm. I was all in range, because I was in range. Wow. For all of, for measurements of TSH and other blood markers for that particular diagnosis. So, and then I did the next experiment and went back to not eating completely 100% plant-based and my numbers reversed again. Really? Yep. Not as dramatically bad, but still, I haven't done them recently because I have been a little bit bad lately because I've been having a lot of fun. But, um, but in general, I, I did that um, and I can show, I have the graphs and I have the actual Kaiser Permanente medical records that I can show anybody um, over that year of all my numbers going down. So is there a way to actually stop craving sugar? Like just like, I don't know how it works with alcohol. Once somebody goes clean from alcohol for let's say a year, do they not crave it anymore? Or is no, the addiction, they, they, no. there's still an, like a craving for it, right? It is because no one's training their amygdala. Alcohol, sugar, stress, anxiety, all those labels, it's all the outcome of an untrained amygdala and nucleus accumbens and old brain. So when you get up every morning and you make your bed, you have your gratitude, you go for your run or you walk outside or you do your exercise, you eat well, they're foundational steps of becoming healthy, healthy and strong. When you're doing those things, you are actually getting MIG fit. And we mentioned that earlier. What I mean by that is 
when your brain's untrained and it's reacting to everything, it, I call it having a Miggy moment. It's actually wiring and biochemistry and physiology that's evolved over millions of years. I can show you this circuitry inside plants and mushrooms in the root systems of plants and mushrooms. They have exactly the same type of signaling apparatus that our brain has because what's our main job as humans is to stay alive. So that's why that part of the brain is super strong. It's super strong and it's, it's the most important thing it cares about is staying alive, right? Now, because of that reason, it processes fear, stress, anxiety, and negative information at a much faster rate than positive information coming in. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's to keep you alive. It thinks that you might be seeing a snake or something you need to get out of the way, right? But that's right. just not true in our modern world anymore. But it's still, we still operate as if we are still in the caves in terms of brain training. You tell me someone that told you today what they did for their brain fitness. They'll tell you about yoga. They'll tell you about working out in the gym for their biceps. But there's very few people telling you, hey, I did this today. I'm getting MIG fit. So once, you, so for example, you say MIG fit exercise. So let's say you have a program and you're working on the program. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. So they do their training. After a few months, they will not crave sugar anymore if their yes. MIG is fit. Uh-huh. Yes. So you're getting rid of the craving and you no longer have that addiction. So you're basically reversing the whole idea of addiction. You're you're breaking the whole stigma on on addiction. And you're saying there is no addicts. It's how we wire our brain to want something. And if we work the exercise to the MIG, there is no addiction anymore. MIG plus. So MIG's the beginning. The other thing is then we do cognitive training to rebuild the, the stress-induced loss of synapses in the prefrontal cortex, the top part of the brain. So we've got exercises that you can rebuild that too, but that's for another session maybe. Um, and that's the next part of neuroplasticity training. But can I just, I, I need to re-emphasize this point, right? So I'm an addiction neuroscientist and I've studied the brain for 30 years. I want to I emphasize that I was developing drugs thinking all I needed to do is understand a pathway better and come up with a better drug than was already on the market. I did that for 22 years. I'm a pharmacist and I'm medically trained, right? I discovered neuroplasticity after doing all of that work and then I applied it to my own life. What we understand now from research is that we have a genetic blueprint. We come into this world pre-wired. We don't come in a blank slate. Right. So we now know that you have your genetic blueprint and then you have the environment can change the way those genes are expressed. But just last year, they also demonstrated that what we used to call junk DNA or now they call non-coding RNAs have this capacity to remember stuff and pass it on subsequently for three further generations. So what does that mean? And what did I tell you about the brain? It likes negative over positive, right? So it's going to always remember bad stuff. Now, just remember, you may have inherited those memories from other generations. Right, right. We spoke about this a little bit. We touched upon this in the last episode on getting the DNA, right? Exactly. And why this matters. This is the root core of why people, I'm sorry, I get a bit passionate at this point, but the wiring in the brain for this stress is wired to the part of the brain that's driving you to seek these foods that stimulate the release of dopamine and serotonin to medicate that wiring, you see, because that wiring is so powerful, but the, it, but it can kill off the brain if it's not controlled. How mm-hmm. do you control it immediately? Have a piece of chocolate, mm-hmm. right? 
because in that part of the brain, there's another section of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. And it's, it, its job is to make you seek these things to stop the other thing from taking over and killing the brain off. Mm. This is total biochemistry, neurophysiology and circuit mapping stuff, right? that we understand and it can be trained, like you're training a muscle in your arm. And it's not too late, even though we have five generations. Never, nothing, nothing is ever too late. Now, why am I out of my lab? If I thought it was all over Red Rover, I now understand why we've got everything we've got. Why would I be so passionate about neuroplasticity? So neuroplasticity is, in my view, the greatest hope on top of whatever you've got going right now, is the greatest hope and inspiration I've seen in my lifetime for rewiring the effects and impacts of stress and trauma on the brain, which the outcome of all of this stress and trauma that got written into the brain over a long period of time is addiction, is obesity, is mental health problems, is all of these things, right? That work has been done extensively around the world. It's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, mm -hmm. and it's demonstrated in multiple places all over the place that the more adverse childhood experiences you've had, not just this lifetime, but your parents, your grandparents, um, animals back in centuries, has the greatest impact on you having a susceptibility to go on to develop an addiction or a depression or an anxiety or an eating disorder. You know, as with kids with eating disorders on Monday, for example. And that's why neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to be changed with training and effort and knowledge, is the thing that can help reduce the impact that that wiring has had that's led to these addictions or whatever you want to call it. So it's not enough to stop eating sugar and eating plant-based. We have to also no, do that's that a great brain way, exercise. It's a, it's a great way to start because it makes everything easier because you start to feel better about yourself. You know, there's all of those things. But the problem is because of the way it's impacted the brain, it's hard, you can't just stop, Right. It's hard to just stop. You can do it for a few days, but the next thing a stress comes along and you're back to it. Or right? you're at a, a fun habit. party or you're like oh, going yeah. out, everybody's eating this delicious cake or ice cream yeah, or drinking absolutely. a lot. You don't want to be absolutely. the one left out. You want to have that fun and good food equals fun. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's been trained in over centuries. It's our habits, right? It's our communal habits it's our everything so um but where you can start to make that easier on yourself is one you can just like i like to talk to people about you know just take one soda out in the beginning have one less soda soda is one of the biggest the, the sugar sweetened beverages are one of the one of the hardest or they just come into your body really quickly they have very little value to your body but they put on a lot of weight really quickly so if you can just start to reduce there first is a really great place to start um, and that, then at the same time is the recognition and the knowledge that you have this power to train your brain you know what i mean First, like, how do you change anything unless you recognize that it's not you, it's your brain? Right. Do you right. know what I mean? Because we spend, we spend a lot of effort and time trying to um, kind of try and understand the reasons why um, something happens. And that's not going to be very helpful or, you know, for your body or for your brain because it's the way the brain kind of works, it, those stories get deeper and deeper embedded and then it becomes the story, if you right. know what I'm saying. Yes, yes. And the yes. reason, and therefore I have this, therefore that's it. I, 
I'm just like dad. I'm just like Auntie Joan. I'm just like Auntie Jill or whatever you want to say. Or you Uncle give into the, the diagnosis and then you yes. just follow the rules yes. of the way yeah. the person is supposed to act and react with that diagnosis. And, and can I just say, because this is where my compassionate, I just can't help it. I just can't handle watching people suffering like this unnecessarily. Mm. I've seen people that are so wealthy. They have huge family that love them, tons of friends wanting to help them but they're about to have ECT therapy because they don't want to take the journey, which it takes. Even they've got all these people trying to help them. It's like they've given up. They've given into what the brain's been telling them about everything, being hopeless and that, and that they need these drugs and all of those right. kind of things. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not dismissing what people are going through at all. So don't get me wrong about that because what we're talking about, Matana, as you know, we're taking path A, which is not the easy path, is it? We're right. saying we're going to take back the power, we're going to do these things every day and we're going to trust that with time and effort this is going to lead to something that's much greater yes. than living in suffering because we're here for such a short time. Right. It's so precious. Why right. live in suffering when you can be happy, healthy, strong from the inside out? that does not rely on other people making that for you. And medication does help um, cover up symptoms, but sometimes the side effect, and I'm not bashing again, we don't bash medication, but... No, what's, definitely not, what? because it, people need it when they need it. And I'm a pharmacist, as you know, I'm medically trained, and I see a middle way, I see an interweaving, but I just don't believe it that if it's just not, it cannot be, from everything I know about the brain, remember I was developing drugs, remember right. that. right. And that was my main focus for two thirds of my career. Right. So, and I still see it as a, I still see it as having a role because we've got new and new things coming, especially to cancer and genomics and epigenomics, all of that. But there is a middle way where I know from a brain neuroscience approach perspective, because I understand the physiology and the biochemistry behind this, is that the stuff that's happened over centuries or happened just recently even in your life cannot be solved by taking a drug. Right. And you're passing it on to the next generation. As well. <laughs> right. So it can be solved in the sense that it's going to make you feel not so low that in terms of low or not so anxious in terms of anxiety or whatever it is, it's going to kind of give you a middle ground which might help you stay alive, for example, which I, there's so much value in that. But in terms of wanting to be happy, healthy and strong and resilient, this takes time and practice and training like you would build a muscle in your arm. I want to take it even further. People that are addicted to drugs or to alcohol, they go to rehab centers. They'll check yes. themselves in for months and they yes. do the exercise and the therapy. Why yes. should we not have rehab set centers working on the MIGD? M Miggy, Mig, how do you call them? Mig, Mig, Mig fit. Mig fit. <laughs> getting, well, getting Mig fit, you know, like get your amygdala fit. And, and I'm, I'm saying it's more than the amygdala, but I'm just calling it that because it's simple. But it's really this oldest, oldest part of the brain that's driving all of these problems, you know, and not, and it's totally untrained. Right. So, you know, you mentioned rehab centers and, and absolutely. And you know what I've seen though? I've seen, because I've been, you know, I've helped a bunch of people in this space because I'm an alcohol addiction neuroscientist. And what happens, even still, people come off the alcohol, but they might have an underlying eating disorder or something like that, but they're still not getting to, uh, because they're not doing the MIG fit training, they're doing oh. everything else. Their brain's still not, it's still in the old ways of healing itself. 
Like, so when they leave the center, they go back to their normal environment and they just immediately almost take up the old habit. Or they go to a different unhealthy habit. They replace, yeah, but, but, they replace yes. the addiction with a different addiction because they need something to calm that, that part of the brain that's, that's craving something for the anxiety, depression or whatever they're going, the stress. Yeah. Because the, cause that part of the brain hasn't been suitably trained and rewired and, and the way we handle it, cause stress is not going away. It's, uh, it's what what is going is how we handle it right right it's that's what changes with MIGFIT training right it doesn't take away i'm going to make my daughter better than everything will be better i'm going to make my partner better i'm going to get money then it'll be better i'm going to get a new job then it'll be better no this MIGFIT comes from the inside out it's actually all of those things can happen but you have a new way of reacting to it that doesn't involve reaching for a chocolate bar right for example or doesn't reach or lashing out at someone or freezing and just wanting to close up and isolate yourself. Those things are outcomes of not training this part of the brain. How do we find out if it's actually, if the exercise that we're doing is really working? Is there a visual on the brain? Is there a brain scan? Is there something that we can measure and see? Yes, it's changing. Yes. So there's a bunch of brain imaging technology and um, there's actually some, and there's more and more coming out every year um, now because we, we now have fantastic technology. Um, so we can do brain scans. Um, I can give you some extreme examples, but um, I'll start at one, which is an older one by Richard Davidson that's demonstrated with um, Buddhists training their brain by meditating for 40,000 hours mm-hmm. in the mountains. And what they demonstrated was they had an increase in the insular cortex, which is the area which, 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 stops um, impulse control mm-hmm. um, and then they had an, a, a change in the amygdala area so when they were in the scanner the brain scanner they set off a uh, kind of an alarm and their brain did not react so wow. they had retrained those two parts of the brain and right. it's not just one or two they scanned a bunch of them so that's one example and you're going to say but i don't want to meditate for forty thousand hours well you don't have to um, and then there's another example lara boyd in Canada, she's currently scanning brains of children, doing the Arrowsmith program, which is a very focused neuroplasticity-based training program, and she's demonstrated changes in the brain too. And I think one day as we get the technology up and up, we're going to be able to demonstrate to people. They can have a baseline, then we can scan them three months later and six months later because I think people are very visual Mm -hmm. and when they can actually see these things are starting to change their brain. But the one thing you can do immediately if you want to know yourself without having to look inside your brain is just to try it, experiment on yourself, listen to the podcast, listen to this, try gratitude, Try if that doesn't work for you, try the tracing book that we developed, listen to your podcasts, those informations that are more positive are going to drive your brain in a good direction. Then how do you know? Start to notice that whether you start to feel, that's where I love food. You can use food as an indicator of the change mm-hmm. and your body, right? Measure your waistline and see if you can start to change waistline by doing some of these training tools, like taking down sugar. Notice that you can, that, you know, going for a walk outside when you're stressed, doing those things beforehand during the day and then focusing on changing your food and noticing how much easier it is as you're mitigating and managing your stress reactions. I find that like if people would just reduce their sugar intake automatically, they will feel less anxious, less depressed, have more energy and be more positive in their day to day. Absolutely. That's a great place to start. Just start reducing it. But you're saying it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy, 
but it's definitely it's definitely doable if they just start one at a time, one little thing at a time. And is it something that you believe that, let's say somebody was diagnosed with bipolar, is there any way to reverse that with extreme, extreme MIGFIT? And yes, there is. It's not reversing, but it's changing, reducing the symptoms. Let's say someone was diagnosed with bipolar, the symptoms will be far further apart and less mm-hmm. extreme if they went through MIGFIT and healthy eating and health. Yeah. And it's extreme neuroplasticity training. It's not MIGFIT's just one component of that. There's multiple. And I'm happy to share with the audience sometime about what that looks like. Um, But I was trying to say that it's extreme. It's like people come for two to three hours, you know, three, four times a week up to a yeah, you know, six months to a year kind of program. Well, well, people go to rehab for a year know, and they're okay yeah. with that. They'll check in for six months, a year, yeah, or yeah, they yeah, go back yeah. and back and they devote this time to themselves because yeah. they want to be alcohol free. They want to be painkiller free. They want to yeah, be able yeah. or eating anonymous groups that, that, yeah. so they're, they do devote time for something that is very important to them. Absolutely. And and the things that you see happen as a result of it is wonderful. And I was just on Monday, we've started the first residential farm stay facility for eating disorders, which is holistic with animals, veggie gardens, medical psychologists, counseling, and they're also doing brain fitness training that I'm bringing into the center as well. And to see, you know, so they're doing an integrated approach um, to eating disorders instead of just going in, getting an azo tube and counseling and leaving and going in and out. Do you think that big pharma is coming in the way of what you're doing because, yeah. because it's an easy fix for a panic attack to pop a pill versus working yeah. through the breath and understanding what's leading to the panic attack, what's leading me to anxiety, working on the thoughts behind it and working yeah, with well, breath. So, so I, I'd recommend not even thinking about the thoughts behind it at all. The thoughts are relevant. They're just, they're just an untrained mechanism in the brain. Like I really teach people to how to, you know, give the finger to that. Like it's really about just focusing on training mm. the muscles in the brain first. That's what mm. I do. Nothing, I don't talk about anything because there's not much I can find that. I mean, I understand all of that matters at some level, but at some point it just gets, makes the things worse by understanding it too much do you because think, of what I know how the brain works. You know, I just know how it works. Do you have hope that like in a generation or two, what you're working on is going to be so popular that That's people are going to implement it and we'll have less mental illness and less suicide yes. and less my, rehab homes because it won't be needed? It's my hope. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I didn't ex- well, I didn't expect to see this in my lifetime. I'd almost, I, I'm being really honest, I'd done everything possible to understand the brain from a medical point of view with pharmacy and pharmaceutical intervention. Right. And there's still a place for that. So to, I don't want anyone to think I don't believe that. But to understand and apply neuroplasticity to my own life and to understand it from a neuroscience perspective, and then to see also the outcome of people actually doing it that are severely traumatized, these are kids out of home in foster care, people with mental illness, um, and to see the outcome of, from that, from neuroplasticity exercises, that to me, it's just the beginning, plus new medical understanding from being able to target non-coding RNAs using antisense technology, so doing genetic engineering. Those three things I think are going to disrupt the mental health space and that's my hope. I want to be part of that journey. I'll just do my little bit and what I'm teaching your audience and and myself is that MIG fit is just one aspect 
And it's really the core aspect because without training that, the brain's always going to be reactionary. It's always going to be going off at some point because there's so much stress going on all the time. You don't ever get rid of it. It's not possible. Right. Because it's strange for so many generations to run to that. That's their their um, relief from the yeah, anxiety, yeah. from the stress. Well it's, the, well, it's the brain's way of staying alive, keeping right. you alive. Because right. the brain's job is just to keep, that's what we're all about, the survival of the fittest or right. whatever. It's also Lamarckian, but, but really, if you look around, it really is about survival, right? How do we stay right. alive? We're looking for resources and shelter. And so the brain's always looking for things that are going to kill it. Right. And at the moment, we don't have much that's doing that. So right. we create it like emails and bosses, and retirement and money and kids and getting into Harvard, right, is now... Right. something that can stress people. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's once upon a time, it's just like I need something to eat. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm wondering about chemicals. Let's say you said reducing soda, the sugar is terrible. What if someone does a diet soda? Is the chemicals just as bad? Yes, it's, just, yes, it's worse in some it's ways. It's worse. Like, yeah, because it's chemicals. So I just highly recommend that if you can just get rid of soda out of your life any way possible. That's why I focus on that one specifically because there's a lot of research demonstrating its impact. Right. And by reduce, even if we've got tons of experiments and published papers demonstrating in children mm -hmm. that after six months of taking out sugar sweetened beverages, I say sugar sweetened beverages because people think it's soft drink, it's um, soda, but it's also sweet Snapple. tea. <laughs> it's all and sweet teas like yeah. teas people think that they've labeled things full of sugars healthy now um so i call it sugar sweetened beverages um and we've shown that uh, not me personally but other people that if people reduce in children over six months those sugar sweetened beverages they definitely would lose weight and become less obese and that's work being done in america at, mm. in a number of different labs so go so back to water that, if you can or something like i don't know just something without sugar in it. Oh, God. It just Everything with... has chemicals and sugar. Everything we touch yeah. besides know, a vegetable from makes... our backyard. But, the, but when you start to see that, you understand why we're struggling so much, right? Mm -hmm. It's and, and everything got supersized. So what do we our do? Brains used to us, well, we just have to start small, start one step. That's why I say let's just do one step, one small thing at a time. Just take out one thing and see how it changes and make how it changes your mood or makes you feel. And to get awareness and recognition that you have the power to change it. Yeah. Do you want to be happy, healthy and strong? Right. Or not? <laughs> but do small changes make a change in the outcome? Yes, small changes lead to something magnificent. Mm. It's the smallest of changes now that right. lead to the biggest changes later. And I'm telling you, it's so worth it. I've never been this fit in my whole life. I was fitter now than when I was 18. Wow. And you're, you have so much energy. You have so much energy. You're always oh, working out, got, running. You're clear. Got, you're sharp. It's got worse. It's got worse though since my kids went to college. <laughs> you mean life I happened just, to you? Have, now I have too much energy, and people are like, "Oh my god, I can't keep up with you." And I even feel it in myself. So I'm like, "I've got to pull my. I've got to control myself almost." But it's all come. I know it's come from this because I, you know, I started this journey in 2013. 
I do it every day, as you know. It's not right. every second day. It's every right. day of my life. And it's not difficult. It's like it's my automatic habit now, right, because right. I'm wired it in. Right. So I wake up, I think of three things I'm grateful for. I always make the bed. I have a cup of coffee. I go for a run. I eat um, either fruit for breakfast or nothing. And some days I might skip it for an intermittent fasting. And then I my food proportion sizes have changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. At the moment I'm eating mainly just um as much I try and put more plants and vegetables on my plate, but I'm still eating meat occasionally and fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, that's a recent thing. And then I still have been partaking in alcohol consumption recently because we've been having some fun. Right, right. <laughs> but we, but we overall, have to learn also to to be balanced with it and be yeah, you have fun. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not. But but the thing is, Matana, this does make you kind. This is being kind to yourself. Right. Right, a hundred percent. This is the thing. This is the thing I want to really emphasize. This thing is is the thing that gives you pleasure. It's the other right. side. It's it's, it's the true thing happiness. that makes you well. When you can fit into your clothes and you feel healthy, fit, and strong, and not depressed. There's nothing, there's nothing better than that. Right. In, in right. my view, and like when I met this person recently that um, I'm with, he said to me, what do you want? And I said, I want to be happy, healthy, and strong. He mm-hmm. goes, no, what do you want? I said, I want to be happy, healthy, and strong. Right. He goes, what do you mean? I said, they're foundational things that I work on every day. Right. Everything in my life stems from that mm-hmm. foundation. Yeah. It's like the Maslow's hierarchy needs mm-hmm. for your brain. Yes. And it's not something that just happens. Like people think happiness just happens and that some people are happy and some people no, it's not right. like that at all. <laughs> I, I just remembered a story. I was training for yoga years ago and there was a lady, one of the teachers, she was extremely fit and she was in her sixties. She was the yoga instructor. I went over to her and she, she said, Oh, it's my birthday. So I said, let's get you a birthday cake. She's like, no, I don't eat sugar. I said, you don't eat sugar at all. She's like, no, I've never eaten sugar in my life. She cured wow. herself from stage four cancer. And yeah. she was saying that when she came to America, she didn't know a word of English, nothing. She came when she was like in her 20s. And she said that they invited her for Thanksgiving. And they said to her, bring cake. And she said, what is that? She didn't even know. She said, we grew up with no sugar in our family. And for generations, she said her mother lived till like a hundred and something fit and and I'm I'm thinking oh, about it now. Good. So oh. this is like the generations that they've never eaten sugar, lots of rice and and very little processed food. Yes, and and she's still you, fit and healthy. Yes, I meant to tell you we just showed, we haven't published this yet, that sugar actually makes the brain more inflammatory. So we've got all new like all this new inflammation. Mm-hmm. And we've also shown, haven't published yet, that advances brain cancer. We're actually showing that sugar. So this is that. So these are some of the other changes that I haven't even talked about to you. Yeah. But we haven't published this work yet. It's brand new, um, and we were shocked by that too. So yeah. that's a grant I'm writing right now. Is on on trying to show markers for that and develop treatments that target neuroinflammation because inflammation is at the base of most chronic diseases, mm-hmm. and sugar just makes it worse. Right. And it's not just all about sugar, by the way. This is high-fat, high-energy foods that our body can't store. Mm-hmm. We just don't have the capacity to store all that energy that we're consuming. Mm-hmm. You know, because foods come so easy now. We don't have to plow the fields to get it. You know, that kind of thing. Do you eat meat and poultry? I have been. I don't haven't eaten much chicken. I eat very little, small portions of um, sometimes beef, but lately it's just been some fish. Mm-hmm. or oysters that's the main thing but i try and minimize as much meat 
as I can and dairy products as much Mm -hmm. as I can. Um, And I found it made a huge difference to that year where I went completely Mm plant-based. Definitely made a huge difference in my body and my blood work. But I went back to it a little bit lately. Um, I'm wondering if that's why I have more energy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. I also think it's because I have kids in college. (laughs) Right. And I'm an empty nester. Right. That's, <laughs> so that's got a lot to do with it. You have such, you have a, um, so much courage and willpower to actually do the work and, and cut these things no, out of your not, life. No, but it's not willpower for me anymore. It's brain power because I don't, it's automatic. I don't think okay. about it. It's not something that I'm like resisting urges, nothing um, for me now. Like right. remember I'm, I'm years in and it's not right. something I just did for 12 weeks. It's part of my lifestyle. And, and you're a, so and passionate it, about it. Yeah, and it's not something like I can still have something and it doesn't mean that I'm going to fall You know what I mean? Like I can now have sugar and it's not like the end of the world for me where I need to have four donuts. Right. Do you know what right. I mean? I can still yes. have one chocolate and not have to have a whole block. And it's right. not because I'm powerful and strong and resilient. You know, it's because that's what I trained myself on mm. years ago. It came easier with time right. and practice. So it's like everything, you start small and it builds up on itself <laughs> and then you raise awareness and then you start to get your waistline back and it feeds on itself. Right. And obviously you're not talking about being fit completely. It's more about the brain health that we're aiming to get to that we can feel well, less see, depressed, the, less anxiety, more yeah, happy. Yeah, but remember all of that is stored in the body. All that stress is stored in your body. Right. So what you're eating and how fit you are is a, a demonstration of how stressed you are. Interesting. So that's the other thing. These are ways of you say, how do I know? How do I know that I'm doing these things and it's helping? It's a reflect your reflection of what you're doing, mm. right? And so that's another way of demonstrating MIGFIT. Every cell in your body stores all these memories too. Stress gets imprinted in the body from the brain. Um, Selena, can you talk to my audience about this app you're working on? Yes, yeah. So because um, I was talking about uh, we've built a game, it's a tracing game, but what it's doing by doing those exercises, you're actually rebuilding the prefrontal cortex, which is those the way those synapses, the way the brain communicates is through, you know, like wiring. Mm-hmm. And those wirings get a bit off-center from years of stress and also bad eating, right? So we built this game where, you, where it's just a physical game but the things I know about that, it's rebuilding the premotor cortex to strengthen those synapses. And then as you strengthen those synapses, it allows you to have more emotional control, which means you're less reactionary to stress, right? So it's a game that we're building mm-hmm. for that. Right. Right. And then in the back end of that game, it's also for people to get a measure of how they're tracking with their brain health. Mm. and then giving them recommendations like the stuff we talk about on this podcast, but mm. to have it actually in their phone. And, and making it personalized to their experience so that they can actually remember what to do to get right. MIG-FIT. So it's all about getting MIG-FIT um, and it's doing these different types of exercises uh, that you can do to rebuild your brain's strength and function mm-hmm. so that to make these things we're saying to do easier. It's like I call it preparing your brain for being right. able to apply all these things to do, you know. And um, really excited about it. We've been working on it for a while because we had, we've had a bit of a technological breakthrough with some of the stuff. We'll be able to share it with friends. And we'll also eventually what we'll be doing is using big data machine learning to give mm. people feedback and personalized approach to the program because mm-hmm. everyone's so different. Everyone's right. got different um, stress levels. Everyone's 
different things resonate with people differently. So this is just another tool. When is it going to be ready? When do you think? Well, <laughs> hopefully this is not too far. We're going to run a clinical trial though. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a grant to run a clinical trial to actually have a control group where they're not having the app and a group with the app so we can demonstrate that it, whether or not it works at a clinical level. Mm-hmm. And um, do measurements and stuff like that as well. Wow! So we'll be yeah. So we'll have it'll be evidence based. We we can release the game, um, so anyone can do the game. But the actual app itself, we're going to test clinically. That's, we can't wait to have it. Everybody's been asking me about the app that Selena's oh, working yeah. on. I know. So, I'm really sorry, everyone. No, it's okay. It's okay. Well, we we want it perfect. I also I also need money because I've been trying to raise money from you know, non-profits and stuff to do it because these things take time. I was going to ask um, you, who's funding all this research? Well, so at the moment, the Children's Hospital in Queensland funded me for the first version Mm -hmm. and I have a little bit of money left for that. The Queensland University of Technology, which is the university I'm a professor in, is giving me a little bit more money Mm -hmm. to try and get it to commercial level. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm, I'm looking at, you know, other foundations and things like that. But if there's anyone out there that wants to help me, I'd be really appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Or knows how to lead you to a direction of another yes. fund. Yes. Yeah. To help yep. the world get make yep. fit. Make yeah. fit. Yes. yes. That's the, is that's that the name want. of the app? Yes. Fit? Yeah. That's Every, everything I do is everything I develop now, whether it's my podcast, which is called Shining Mind, whether it's my books, Smashing Mindset, whether it's my scientific research, um, everything is about helping the world get MIGFIT. Are you going to have workshops on MIGFIT? Yes, I have one coming up there in Brisbane. Um, I hope to do one in New York when I visit you. Yes. <laughs> I hope we can arrange it yes. in, Ju- in June, July. What um, goes on in these workshops? Oh, I do brain fitness training. I teach people how the brain works. I give them the neuroplasticity strategies and we do some actual practical exercises um, so people can take them away. How long is the yeah. workshop? Is it oh, one well, session or I've is it a few oh, meetings? Well, I can do whatever people want. I've done from one hour to three hours to a day to two days. You know, I can do a variety. I've done corporations um, for performance mindset because um, it's all MIGFIT sits at the baseline of all of these different outcomes You know mm-hmm. that we're trying to achieve, whether it's reducing sugar, whether it's getting fit, whether it's improving depression, anxiety or trying to have a better sports performance right because this part of the brain sits at the bottom it's the oldest it's just kind of in my opinion one of the baseline things that really matters that you need to know that you've got to train right yeah so you're be- in so in these workshops you ch- you give exercises that anybody could take home and start implementing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And the more you implement, the better you get. And and, and the reason I call it MIGFIT is because, and I know no one knows what their name is yet, but I then know when you have people telling you I'm getting MIGFIT, when they're Mm -hmm. waking up in the morning, they're doing their gratitude Mm -hmm. or they're doing their exercises or their yoga every day or their breathing or they're um, reducing their sugar intake they'll understand that each of those little factors are actually all going in to change the way the amygdala is wiring for stress. Right. And at the moment, people don't understand that that is what's happening. And um, then also applying the principles of neuroplasticity, meaning you can't just do it once a week. The way the brain gets rewired, it takes training, practice and effort every day to do this. And that's why if you just do one tiny little thing, as you know, Madonna, smiling every day, Right. Or doing gratitude every day right. over time is the thing that generates the change. Right, and it just becomes and it's a just habit. Hard to remember. Right, and then it's then before you know it, you're not thinking about doing those things now. I know. Right, that. 
No, it's part of my, it's part of the way I function now. So do you understand, Natana, that what you've done is you've created a whole new action sequence of behavior in a different part of your brain. And under stress, that now gets pulled out. So now you're using your power of your brain Mm-hmm. to pull out that new behavior, which Actually, is now an old behavior. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've rewritten yeah. an old habit into a new habit, but mm. it's all physiology. You're doing it physiologically. Do you know what I mean? It's happening at a wiring level. And mm-hmm. that's the bit that I'm trying to help people understand that like, this is physiology. It's biochemistry. It's stuff you can do to get these circuits strong. Do you know what I mean? Because you said to me, how can you, you've got so much willpower and stuff. No, I'm using my brain from the training that mm-hmm. it reaches for that now. It reaches for raw nuts when I'm stressed. It used to reach, I'd go straight to the vending machine before I'd go to the coffee shop and try and get candy or right. anything, muffins or, mm-hmm. you know, that was my go-to in the afternoon when I was super stressed. I'm, mm-hmm. and, and now I just have raw nuts or cashews or almonds. Right. But still, at least I know I'm stressed because I'm reaching right. for them. Right. But those things go into your body in a different way. That doesn't mean I've got to go and work out for 10 more weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> stress isn't going away. We've got, we're all, but we're aging. We've got parents. We've got kids. We've got jobs. Yeah. That's not going away. Right. But we can handle it in a way that doesn't disrupt and kill our body brain at the same time. <laughs> I saw it last week in real life when I was super stressed with my baby sick and there was a lot going on in my life, a lot and different. And I was, I felt like I was getting beaten up from everywhere. The gratitude and my breath saved me. And it was my automatic. It's not, I didn't even have to think about it. Automatically, I went to, what am I grateful for when I was feeling depleted to automatically lift me up? And I went, instead of rushing to get a can of soda, I don't drink soda anymore, but instead of a chocolate, I took a deep breath. And I literally took a deep breath automatically because I trained my body. When you're going into anxiety, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. It's going to automatically reduce your stress. Just take and, a deep and, and, breath. But, but what it's, and well, from, a, from a neuroscience perspective, decreasing the activity in your amygdala, in your amygdala, mm-hmm. you are getting big fit by doing that. You are changing the way that that part of the brain is reacting. I feel and also, it. And yeah, and pushing your shoulders back. So yeah, tell the audience, right. push your shoulders right. back. You know, we, it's our body, scan your body posture right. during the day and take yes. that deep breath and you are retraining your brain. Right. That's the piece that's missing. And that's why I want to keep calling it MIG fit, getting MIG fit, getting MIG fit. Because yeah. by, by putting those words into your head, you realize you're actually doing something good for yourself too. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not just do it. I just came up with that concept because I felt that piece was missing. People weren't seeing that they were actually doing something inside because you can't see your brain. It's really right. annoying. Right. right? So and you so you don't so see so the you, exercise and the muscles constantly when you're working on it yeah, your body. but the way the way you see it is what in and the thing i love about food and mood and is one you can see it in the food choices you're making right how much you're eating and then you'll see it in your body right. and those three things make you all come together and make you feel better yeah and i think you should hashtag make fit that people should start this thing and see how many people if they even took a deep breath or, or decided to say yes. yes to water no to soda McFit. Yeah. I had a McFit moment. Yes, exactly. And they could start tracking themselves and yes. become a trend in the world. And then yes. people will will gravitate more to their yes instead of to the Fitbit to the MIGFIT. <laughs> yes. Well, I can do both. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we need both. I think we need all of the all of. I think we need Wim Hof and we need the ice and the breathing. We need the 
like every brain so different. What I noticed when I had these nine girls with severe eating disorders between mm-hmm. the ages of 14 and 22, um, I took along 10 different brain fitness tools mm-hmm. and each, and I tell you, each one reacted, because this is a journey, right? How do we get people started on the MIGFIT journey? Mm-hmm. How do we get them to pay attention? Well, we've got to find something that resonates with them. Right. Right. So taking deep breath doesn't necessarily work for everybody. But someone putting their hand in ice for two minutes, that relieved their overthinking because eating disorders, the brain's really disordered thinking. Mm-hmm. It stops that thinking in its tracks. And they all start to smile. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay, audience, this is the next trick. I didn't do this trick, but this is from Wim Hof. Start to put, put your hand in, just get, get ice out of the freezer, put some water in it and try it and see how long you can stick your hand in that ice, time it. And, and then, then and then the next day, see how long you can do it again and recognize when you feel that pain, it's just your amygdala going off. But if you take a deep breath, that will pass through and that you'll start to feel numb and you'll be able to stay in there longer and longer and longer. And after that pain, which is not really pain, it's just the wiring, um, and you recognize that, then you're going to get this instant release of endorphins, serotonin, and all these fantastic positive neurochemicals, and you're going to feel fantastic. And you basically your brain stopped in its tracks from overthinking. Wait, I think it would be a wait, fantastic wait, 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 thing wait, for wait. depression. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, what about frostbite? Like you can no, get frostbite? No, you just do it for... You start with, say, 10 seconds or 30 seconds. No, no, Wim Hof has stayed under ice for two hours without any of that. So how? So he's, re- he's rewritten the textbooks on all of this. We got it all wrong, basically. Um, it's training. It's brain training when you do this. So because you're activating your nervous system, um, blood vessels react in. Yeah, I can do a whole session on this because it's so fascinating because it gets your immune system going. It reduces inflammation. Um, it stops that stupid overthinking that's all ridiculous and wrong. Don't you we know, have you, to like listen to our body and say, okay, you, if the body's in pain, take it out of the ice? No, he's t- taught that that's not correct. So what is frostbite? Frostbites when basically you've been in there for hours. These we're talking about seconds to minutes to two minutes. Yeah. Okay, so there is such a thing as frostbite. Oh, but there I'm, is a, okay. a thing as frostbite. No, but this is about training using tools, not to stay in there forever and get. You know, there is an an upper limit. But he okay. has meant. But 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 I have to say, you can go and look at his videos. He's called the Ice Man. He has stayed in ice right. for two and a half hours. Right. And they've trained. They've imaged his brain and shown he's retrained that part of the brain that we said was not trainable. So when people get hyperthermia when they jump into ice cold water is because their brain is not trained yeah there's been no breathing like yeah but they just go in there and you just the shock panic and the shock and yeah you have to look at all of his stuff to understand yeah jesse just went to him you know you saw yes you i know his I all of that yeah well, i did win well i did all of Wim Hof training as mm-hmm. well Mm-hmm. And I actually measured the blood. I, I did everything he did. I measured the urine. I measured my bloods. I measured my oxygen levels. And everything he said each week was actually happening in my body. Wow. And, is- and he's also published now in Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. And he's trained a ton of people too. So it's not just him being a circus freak person, right. which is what, what he was considered for a long time. It really is the first step into immediate, happy, healthy, and strong. Yeah. when you do this because your brain virtually is stopped in its tracks from thinking when you mm-hmm. just stick your hand in ice you just start with hand in ice i'm going to try that to, i'm going to start oh, that. i'm going to start do, that do, 
and, and every day increase it. yeah every day increase it for a few seconds 10 seconds 20 yes. seconds whatever you want like i i because you know what i'm like i go straight to what he says which is two minutes i think like so i do it for some people some people can't last more than 10 seconds and then these girls some of them in the eating disorders some of them went for 10 minutes with the hand um, with the hand yeah just just hand. one hand we do one hand one hand at a time okay and and what you'll notice and then you can also do a heat pack afterwards if you like so what do i notice after you're going to start you're going to notice how good you feel because you're going to get a release of endorphins after right away more or less well because on the opposite side of how the pain transmission works is a release of endorphins it's your natural energetic system and how long does that last for that endorphin re release? i just think for me it sets up my brain really well for the day so i after i do this after i do my run um, Um, you, and you know that people at sports are doing full-on ice baths yeah, because it yeah. takes, out, takes out all the inflammation in your body. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, I haven't moved to that yet. I got pretty close, but I'm going to work I'm in this new center we're opening, mm -hmm. um, which involves um, wellness, plus bringing in brain fitness. We're actually going to put in an ice bath there as about, well as the sauna. What about cold showers? Yeah, cold showers is another fantastic way. What you do is you just turn and at the top of your spine, Um, you, you have to work up to this because I hated cold showers, but um, I worked all my way up. I have cold showers now. If you turn or put your spine, the top part of your spine into the cold, that also stops your brain from working. Do you go straight into the cold? Do you start with no, a warm can, shower? You, some, well, some people start warm first and then finish with cold. Is that okay? And that, Yeah. And then over time, like I did his 10-week course, by the end, you go straight to the cold. And it doesn't bother you? Well, you, you, have, you do your breathing, you do your mindset, and you think that it's not cold. You think it's warm. And then it's not, and then all of a sudden it doesn't feel as cold anymore. It's really weird. It's fascinating. It ten, it, it's so fascinating. Sorry, we lost Selena. I took her out of her day job research, which she's working so hard on. And I am so grateful for her time. I'm sorry we didn't hear the end of it, but we're going to have her back on again. And we're going to work on having her for a a workshop about rewiring our brain and MIGFIT. This is so exciting. I could speak to her for days. Just so fascinating to me. And it's the ultimate hope for me. If I think hope, I think Selena, because she just is researching how to rewrite mental health and illnesses and not call it mental illness. She calls it brain health. And it's just the epitome of hope for me, what she's doing. And I'm so grateful for all the knowledge that she just gave us and all the information of how we can help ourselves. I hope you take some of this information and reduce your soda, reduce your chocolate, reduce a little bit, small, small increments, as she says, small little doses. I'm excited. I'm I'm super excited about this. And I'm, I'm grateful beyond words to her work, to her research. It just was fascinating to see behind the scene, this huge, massive building that she's working on, all this research, the labs, the technology, so many people, just I'm thinking about how many people it takes to actually figure out what's going on in our brain. Unbelievable. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we have hope because we have Selena and we have others like Selena researching and we have MIGFIT coming to the world. So do your MIGFIT, do your workout and try to get more fit with your brain and training it to not crave chocolates and fats and sugar. Train it to look for the fitness and the rewiring that it needs to reduce stresses. Hope you enjoyed this. Bye till next time. 
Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.